It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. Well, and in the silence, up comes the White House logo, because that was the end of the press conference, because uh, the handlers uh, for your president did not want him to take questions. Uh, I wonder why. Well, of course, we all know why. How can we not know why? Uh, we know that he's not capable. He can read the teleprompter, but he, uh, as I told you and reported from what Dan Bongino had said, uh, many insiders that he knows, Secret Service and others, are saying that it's just a, inside the White House, it's just a serious problem that Joe Biden is failing. And I don't think that's quantum leap to believe that, do you? No. And so that's your president. That's uh, who we voted for, according to the left and according to, you know, the... Uh, Many people in the press who say that it's a big lie to say that the election was stolen. I believe it was. Uh, and Joe Biden, you know, uh, talked to us from his basement. Could not, would not be able, couldn't ta- take questions from reporters unless they were given ahead of time. And he read from a script. And when he went out to speak, he had maybe a handful of supporters. That was it, compared to President Donald Trump, who brought, drew in thousands, 20,000, 10,000, 30,000, depending on, you know, this in, in even small areas of the country, and was out with the press constantly. But um, it's, it's just, uh, it is the world turned upside down. By the way, President Biden has uh, been in office for 43 days, and he has yet to hold an official press conference. He's spoken, but he's always reading the teleprompter. He's not able to answer questions unless the press, uh, you know, by the way, the press is having to pay now. Uh, They're having to pay a fee in order to get into press conferences at the White House. No one's ever done that before. And and the thing that it does, of course, it hurts the small guys, the small entities um, who, you know, are going getting by on a shoestring and also pretty much his opposition. So that's kind of the the way things are happening right now with uh, our duly, uh, newly elected president. And so... um, it's a sad thing, and it's sad for all of us as a country because the person behind him is um, Kamala Harris, who is this rabid leftist. I will give my cre- credit to my husband because his speculation, I think, is true. Uh, he has said he thinks that what they're doing is having Biden hang on to that title and that role uh, until all of the horrible uh, initial horrible things are accomplished because they are uh, trying to accomplish some horrible things, and then it could all be laid at his feet, and then he will be incapacitated. And you know what can you do? Uh, so I think there's some uh, there's some merit in that theory, and I, I think it's probably likely true. Meanwhile, across the pond, across no, just across the corridor, uh, across the uh, the um, the elliptical in D.C., across the the mall, 
there is the Congress, and this is what they did yesterday. They passed uh, that bill, the uh, For the People bill on election integrity. They passed it by, <laughs> that's what they call it, a, a, a vote of 2020 to 210. Every Republican voted against it. Why did they do it? Because they are quantifying in law that states will no longer have jurisdiction over their elections. The federal government will. Those people, uh, you know, in that Capitol building, those trustworthy folk uh, in the chambers will be the ones deciding about all of our elections from here to four, unless the Senate stops this. Uh, But the bill requires states to allow any eligible voter to use ballot drop boxes. Uh, It requires any eligible voter to vote by mail, be able to vote by mail using those drop boxes. Uh, They are forcing states to accept ballots that arrive up to 10 days after the election day. Um, uh, So also also automatic voter registration nationwide, same-day voter registration. Oh, lots of things. Felonies, uh, felons will now have to be able to vote even, um, yeah, after they've come out of their incarceration, they will be able to vote in every state. Uh, There are so many things. I can't tick them all off, but... This is a very interesting little addition to this bill, and this is uh, Ayanna Presley announcing what her idea is. I've heard this before, but it looks like it's a reality for the House. They just passed it. Let's listen. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today in support of my amendment to H.R. 1, the For the People Act. H.R. 1 is bold, transformative legislation which fights voter suppression, promotes access to the ballot, cracks down on money and politics, and provides transparency to the American people. Passing this bill has never been more urgent. We must act to protect and preserve our democracy. My amendment gets to the heart of H.R. 1 and recognizes the contributions that young people continue to make to our democracy. By lowering the federal voting age from 18 to 16 years of age, my amendment would enfranchise young Americans to help shape and inform the policies that will set the course for our future. From police violence to immigration reform to climate change to the future of work and minimum wage, Our young people are organizing, mobilizing, and calling us to action. They are at the forefront of social movements and have more than earned inclusion in our democracy. Mr. Speaker, 16- and 17-year-olds, constituents of mine, are supporting their families. They are working not for enrichment or to build a resume, but because they have no choice. They are attending school full-time and taking care of loved ones in the midst of the COVID crisis. Young people are contributing both to the labor force and their local economies by paying taxes, and yet they are deprived of the opportunity to exercise their right to vote. Some have questioned the maturity of our youth. I don't. 16- and 17-year-olds today possess wisdom and maturity defined by today's challenges, hardships, and opportunities. They deserve and demand a government that is accountable to them, a government that values their voices and understands the depth and breadth of their lived experience. They are not a monolith, but they are nation-builders, living through a global pandemic, confronting racial okay, injustice. Okay, okay, and okay, we get it. So uh, 16 and 17-year-olds, according to Ayanna Presley, uh, you possess wisdom. Uh, they know what they're doing. It's too bad Congresswomen don't seem to possess much, much wisdom. I was just thinking, when I was about 21, I did my first radio interview, and I was in Berlin, Germany. It was Armed Forces Network, and I was the um, featured singer uh, for the U.S. Army Band at the, the Volksfest. And so they wanted to interview me, and I remember how shy I was about it because I knew that I didn't really know anything. I knew at 21 that I was—I knew some things. I was not dumb. I had a good education, but I was well aware that I was not like 
uh, able to command this great story. I had lived a, you know, uh, I was only 21 for heaven's sake. Uh, so I didn't, there was, I was aware that I didn't know so much. And I remember on the, on the interview, just being almost tongue tied because I, there was not anything to say about me. There's nothing to say about me. I'm just, I sing, I sing. That's all I know. I'm only 21. So, but 16 and 17 year olds now in Ayanna Presley's uh, district, they possess great wisdom and uh, they're they're ready to uh, vote. Uh, yeah, so it's, that's the For the People Act. The House passed it. Now it goes to the Senate. And uh, there is a chance. Uh, look, if they pass this, we will never have a free election again. That's not an understatement. It is the absolute truth. I've told you this before. Now it goes to the Senate. Now here we go. Uh, I think the there are states that are so conservative still that if some of these Senators, vote for this. If people are informed about it, like you are, uh, you could still stop this. I think you could stop this. I I was amazed. You know, Joe Manchin, I've laughed, actually, because he's the guy who never wanted to decide anything. He always declared this stuff and always folded. Always, always, always. I have never seen him not fold. I've never seen him not fold. He, oh, yeah, all shucks. He's the all shucks guy, the all shucks guy who does all the horrible things that the rest of the rabid liberals leftists do. Uh, but he just is in all shucks while he does it. But um, I have to give him uh, credit because he stood against the nomination for, I think it was, oh, yeah, it's for uh, Russ Vought's former position, which Office of Management Budgement and Budget, Budget Management. Uh, Nira was the uh, Joe Biden's pick. She is a radical leftist with the uh, Center for American Progress, John Podesta. She, she just, uh, yeah, she's just the worst of the worst, and they managed to stop that. She had to withdraw her nomination, and Joe Manchin stood fast and would not support her. And it only takes one vote for the Democrats uh, to stop this. Now, there were others in the process, but uh, thank God he did that. Now, let's see what happens on this For the People Act, because surely the people of West Virginia, hopefully they're getting the information that this is a disaster. They will never have a free election again. Uh, Joe Manchin will probably never win again, <laughs> because if Joe Manchin thinks that they will let uh, all shucks him, uh, you know, be reelected, if the radical left is in charge, it's not going to happen. Uh, they will choose people like Mira Tandem and all the radical leftists uh, to run in various positions in the states. It'll be a complete radical takeover. So we'll see what happens in the Senate. Uh, but and then, of course, there's the COVID relief bill, the nearly two trillion dollar. COVID relief bill that spends, let's see, how much on helping you with COVID relief? How much was that? Let me think. Oh, yes, 9%. 9% of the bill goes to the people for actual COVID relief. Well, the other parts, where do they go? Well, they go to support abortion. Uh, they go to uh, big states that have, you know, not been able to pay their bills, like I'm guessing New York, California, you know, those kind of blue sort of states, Illinois. Uh, millions of dollars for teachers because they're suffering so in the midst of being paid while they're not working. Uh, we have to help them, you know. And millions for schools, you know, to gear up to let kids someday go back to classrooms. It's uh, it is a boondoggle pork bill. I think they're building an underground rail in Northern California to connect Silicon Valley to, I believe, San Francisco. And that's COVID. You know, that's really, that strikes at the heart of it, right? We can get rid of that virus if we could just build that underground transportation. That's how bad it is. So Senator Johnson, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, is claiming now, and I believe him because he'll do it. I love Ron Johnson. I've grown to really, really, really respect him. 
And so um, he says, okay, this is what he's going to do. He's going to have the clerks read the entire bill on COVID relief, so-called COVID relief, ha, 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 aloud on the floor of the Senate. It's six to 700 pages. Uh, They estimate it will take about 10 hours, but he's going to put his foot down and insist because he said he wants the senators to hear for themselves exactly what's in this bill. So that's where that is. It's passed the House, now it's in the Senate, and Ron Johnson is going to make them read it aloud. And so you'll get to hear yourself if you turn on C-SPAN, all the wonderful things that are in that um, budget-busting, wicked, pork-filled, under any other time and place, completely criminal package that's being crafted by Nancy Pelosi and the left. I don't expect the Republicans, any of them, will vote for this. I I would be shocked if they did, but they have to stop it. They've got to get one vote from the Democrats to stop it. So we'll see what happens with Joe Manchin again. I have uh, have to say, I guess I'll be mentioning him a lot more than I ever used to. Joe Manchin was asked on a radio broadcast a couple of days ago. I uh, didn't have a chance to tell you this, but I think it's, well, I know it's hugely important. The... uh, the filibuster rule in the Senate, this is a rule, not a law, it's the rule of the Senate that, and you've heard me say, but I repeat it again, in order to vote on a measure, 60 senators have to vote to vote. They take a vote to decide whether, in fact, to consider a bill. It's kind of like the Supreme Court deciding whether they're going to hear a case. So they decide whether they're going to vote on a certain bill, and they have to have 60 votes. Well, the, the Democrats don't have 60 votes. The filibuster is what that's called, so that that Republicans or the opposition party uh, can stop a vote on something by not getting to 60 votes. Even that doesn't mean the 60 would vote for the thing, but they're voting to vote on it. Okay, so, Joe, and that's the thing that the the Democrats are pondering, you know, eradicating, and they can do that. But Joe Manchin said in an interview, in fact, he cursed, I cannot repeat what he said, blank, blank. What what about this do you not understand? I told you I would not support that. Uh, and that's the filibuster. Kristen Cinema is saying the same thing from Arizona. So that uh, I, if they stick to their guns, that's, a, that's really great. And perhaps we could stop some of this horrible stuff. Uh, uh, lots more to tell you about some nominations coming up. So uh, stay tuned. And we're going to open the phone lines today, too. So don't go away. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for Nuria Fernandez, Acting Administrator for the Federal Transit Administration. Her agency provides financial and technical assistance to local public transportation systems. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the importance of serving others. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Nuria Fernandez in her work at the Department of Transportation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Join us as we pray for God's guidance for the President and His administration as they begin their term. It's the 100 Days of Prayer. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. There's a disturbing story about the Equality Act from our friends at Liberty Council. A young bride-to-be recently went into a bridal shop near Washington. If you've watched Say Yes to the Dress, you know it's quite the family affair. The salesperson followed the bride into the dressing room to help her try on a wedding gown. As is normally the case, the bride had to undress in front of the salesperson. That's when she discovered the female salesperson was actually a man, a transgender sales clerk. The bride was horrified. She'd never undressed in front of a man before. She felt violated and deceived and fled the store with her mother and sister-in-law in tow. Later that day, the groom-to-be paid the store owner a visit. She defended her transgender employee, said she was required by law to treat the man as if he was a woman. Needless to say, the bride-to-be said no to that dress. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The race between vaccinating the country against COVID and the virus itself just got more complicated. In Texas, with nearly 30 million people, second only to California, the governor has just lifted the state's mask mandate completely and told restaurants and other businesses that it's okay to operate at full capacity. Too many Texans have been sidelined from employment opportunities. Too many small business owners have struggled to pay their bills. This must end. It is now time to open Texas 100%. With cases down, but still at a dangerously high level, even with the third vaccine coming online, this is a surprising development. It's a major new obstacle in the fight to prevent infection until more people are protected from the virus, which, after all, is still killing, on average, nearly 2,000 Americans a day. We invited Governor Abbott to come on the program tonight to explain his decision. He declined, as did Mississippi's Governor Tate Reeves, who also lifted all restrictions in his state. Joining us now is Steve Adler, the mayor of Austin, Texas. Mayor Adler, thanks for joining us. I'm wondering what your reaction was to the governor's decision. I, it, 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 it's mind-boggling. Uh, given where we are. You know, wearing a face mask in public closed space, the most effective thing you can do to stop the spread of the virus absent the vaccine. It's hard to find a medical professional that will tell you anything else. We should be guided by the science and the data. 
And this decision today is, uh, it just puts everything we have worked so hard to get at risk. Uh, I think everybody here in, 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 in Texas and Austin is just, is just dumbfounded. Yeah, well, I'm dumbfounded too because I'm wondering what the mayor of Austin is looking at for information because Ron DeSantis, my new champion, uh, I was going to play a clip from him. He gave a State of the Union address yesterday spelling out again how well Florida's doing, uh, the economy, schools all back in order. And we know that the stats show that California, that's been more closed than any state in the union, masking, social distancing, you know, no Thanksgiving, no Christmas, no parties, nothing, you know, nobody on the beach. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm overstating, okay, I'm making a point. Yeah, almost nobody on the beach, uh, just like a uh, police state in California. And yet, the open Florida has less cases per capita than California without the radical social distancing, mask wearing. Oh, you they do have it in Florida, but not, not the same way as California. You know, it's amazing. I talked to a friend of mine through email yesterday from my home place of Chicago. There's such depression there. It's just hard. It's hard to remember what it's like to be free, and people are getting really depressed. We talked about the uh, suicide rates. I talked about that yesterday. That's the science, I'd like to say, to the mayor of Austin. I noticed when he was talking to Anderson Cooper on CNN, he had this like smile on his face, like this, you probably know that smile. It's um, it's like a smirk. I just quite, I wish you could see his face. Uh, and so he went on to say that um, uh, people of Austin are, you know, we're going to still, uh, we're going to still wear masks and social distance uh, because uh, that's just ridiculous. But also good for Governor Abbott for opening up the state of Texas, and Tate Reeves for opening up the state of Mississippi. And um, now this morning, uh, Arizona Governor, well, as of yesterday, Arizona Governor Ducey has ordered the schools in Arizona to reopen by mid-March, uh, which, you know, I, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that governors like Hollywood actresses and, uh, you know, high school, uh, you know, uh, prom queens, they have a group that they play to. You know, we, we play to our group. Uh, well, hopefully we don't, but that's what most people do. We have to please our people. So we, you know, adapt their style, their words, and their views. And I think Ron DeSantis has made it really hard on these governors to keep everything locked down. And uh, God bless him for that. And I think Christy Noem also in South Dakota, of course, has been open up just pretty much like Florida. And they've been flourishing and uh, businesses are flourishing. So um, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And, of course, the left is desperate to stop all that. And the mayor of Austin, who is a, a radical leftist, Austin, you know, is different, a different kind of place. Uh, it used to be cool. Now I think it's uh, oppressive, personally. But they have, a, you know, they have their own way of thinking about things, which is, you know, whichever the left thinks, that's what they think. And now we're finding out that the, that really does actually bring bondage. But you think it's bad here. Uh, you know, all over the world, uh, things are happening. I, I thought I saw this article uh, yesterday. This is a guy from Wales, and he and his wife were actually walking on a beach. They had let me see, give you the background here. They went for a walk because one of their family members, uh, an uncle, had died, uh, and I think they're from Poland, and they were not allowed to go back for the family death. 
uh, and they've had a, uh, their kids have not been able to go out. Uh, Great Britain has been terrible. I've told you this. It's where my son and family are in Scotland. It's it's horrible. It's horrible. I don't know what happened to Boris Johnson. He went off the rail in a major way. He's not who we thought he was, or he maybe had some inclinations of a conservative, but he didn't have the, the power or the will or the convictions. Uh, it was just like a momentary phase in his life. So now the Britain is all shut down. And uh, Reddick, this this guy, and this will make sense that I'm telling you this story in a minute, he says, my family was struggling with many issues that are sourced in the constant lockdowns and homeschooling. On top of that came personal family problems, which we faced in the last months. They include the very serious illness of my wife's brother and death of close relatives. We were not even able to say goodbye or go and attend a funeral in Poland. So they, in a desperate act to kind of improve their mental health, and especially his wife's, they were walking on the beach. And I want you to hear what happened during that walk. I have the registration number. Yeah, you can take you the registration number. We didn't commit I any told, crime. I told you. Living, listen to me, I tell you something. We have enough. We've been living in these conditions yeah. for almost a year, okay? I, I am crying every single day. I am crying, okay? Yeah. So it's essential for my It is essential for my mental health. Well, what is, what is it to go for a walk. If you're, no, 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 I don't care. Stop it. Stop, stop it right stop now. Stop shouting at me or I will stop around. Keep shouting at me and I will right arrest you. Are you going to listen you are to me harass, You are harassing us. Right, okay, at the moment you're under arrest, okay? Because okay. you're refusing to provide details. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're breaching all the regulations. Great. Do arrest. You're breaching coronavirus legislation. You're a great job. We can just deal with it by Why? Why? Why do I have to? Because you breached the COVID regulations. The COVID laws have been broken by you travelling. What about my human rights? What about my mental well-being? Everyone is suffering at the moment. Yes, everyone is suffering. Yeah. Officers as well. My brother was dying in a hospital in Poland. Pardon? My brother was dying in a hospital in Poland. And because of the COVID regulations, I wasn't allowed to go home and be with him. Okay. And be with my family. Okay, but if we could have just so for my mental well-being, yes, the walk I'm is to have essential. <laughs> yeah, so this is a couple. They're walking along the beach by themselves. This is in Wales, and these are two female police officers. That's who you hear confronting them. And what they do is they arrest her husband. They put him in handcuffs. They put him in the police car. Takes take him away from his wife, and she says. What shall I do, Radic? Where shall I go? And uh, then he tells her to go back home. He goes back. Now, the follow-up on this is he goes to the police station. He was interrogated, shouted at. They told him to remove. They did a strip search, made him remove his clothes, would not let him uh, go to the restroom. And, uh, and it's just, um, that's Wales. That's how crazy the world is. And look. When the totalitarian spirit in regular people is unleashed, this is what happens. I told you this before, but I think it's Eli Wiesel, who was a, the pronunciation always escapes me, but I read one of his books recently uh, about the sunflower, it was called, about his time in a Nazi prison camp. He's a Jewish, he was a Jewish prisoner. And the one observation that I want to repeat to you that he made was that you think that prison guards and people doing uh, the the de- working in the death chambers, but prison guards and brown shirts and all of those are those are the really those are criminals. Those are the really 
horrible people. They mentally, well, you know, like mentally in the sense of uh, not not incapacitated, but just this cruel thing in them. But he said no. They were they were actually teachers and bakers and tradesmen. Uh, they were your neighbors. Uh, it, it was amazing to see that spirit come out of regular people that actually enjoyed uh, treating people, having power over them. And this is what the danger is, ladies and gentlemen, one of the many. When you give up your freedoms, when you say, oh, okay, uh, I'll do everything you say. I will put this mask on no matter what the science says. I, I Look, initially, initially we did not know. We saw that horrible stuff happening in China. We all wanted to cooperate. Uh, we didn't want that happening to our country and our neighbors. But that is not what happened. That is not what happened. Proportionately, we had nothing like that. I don't know why. I don't know why. Let me, you say, yeah, well, I know somebody who died of COVID or my brother had COVID or I, you know, people can, we all know somebody, but I don't think that we all saw our neighbors taken out in stretchers, our children dying in our homes and carried out body bags everywhere and in the street. I don't think you saw that except on television. And I think a lot of that was staged. Yes, we've had deaths to COVID, but nothing in proportion to the kind of totalitarian efforts the left has made to control the American people, to break their will, and to get them to do whatever they say, no matter what things come out to correct maybe what we thought initially. So, um, yeah, I'm fighting for that because I don't want that to happen here. Do you? Do you want that to happen in your state? Can you, by any chance, is there anything you can do uh, to resist in some way, uh, to try to, I'm not... uh, Look, I, I, the, the tension, of course, is that those of us that are followers of Jesus, we know that we are to obey our, the laws and respect our authorities, and I'm, I agree with that, except at some point uh, there has to be, if it's hurting your children, if the suicide rate is going up, which it is, uh, if the depression, the mental health, your marriage, your work, uh, you can't provide for your family, there is a limit uh, to what God expects us to uh, to endure. And I, I think that we have to find a way uh, to resist in the right way. You know, you can, and to your neighbors and friends, you can be, you can, without getting angry, you can speak, you can just pray that God gives you the right words to say. I'm not wearing this because uh, the science does not uphold this. I'm not wearing this. I want you to be free. I'm free and I want you to be free too. I'm so sorry. You're so worried. Uh, and, you know, maybe memorize a few stats that I try to give you sometimes about the, the small chance of you dying if you caught COVID. And certainly the chances are so much less now uh, because the thing is falling. It's losing its steam. And, and now they want to, you know, tell us that there are all these other strains. But uh, other scientists are saying, no, there aren't. And so um, anyway, I, I get on my high horse about that because I really hate that this has been a vehicle for totalitarian movements. And you can see that it is. Um, uh, there was another, oh, so uh, speaking of overseas, I had another one I wanted to pray, play for you. This is, this could be funny. I guess it could be funny. This is, um, a runner and she's on a good morning Britain. And, uh, they ask her about, you know, what she should do while she's running. She's a very serious runner. It's Trish Greenhall. It's clip 20. Let's listen. No doubt the virus is in the air. There is no doubt that you can catch it if you inhale 
air that someone else has exhaled. And, and as Piers described beautifully, uh, the, the exercising jogger, the puffing and panting jogger, you can feel their breath come and you can sometimes actually feel yourself inhale it. So there's no doubt that there is a danger there. I do agree that wet, soggy masks are not a good idea. But for goodness sake, I've been for a run this morning. Not only did I put my T-shirt in the wash, but I put my mask in the wash as well. Mm. So the fact that they get, uh, you know, contaminated is not a reason for not wearing them. It's not that you're going to do anything with that mask apart from wash it. Um, the other thing to say is that 40 percent of COVID cases uh, happen by catching it from people who have no symptoms. So you're jogging along, you think you're fine, and then the next day you develop symptoms of COVID, but you've actually breathed that COVID onto someone, perhaps, you know, a, an old lady walking a dog or something like that. So I think it's really important to be Okay, okay well, look, let's bring in... Uh, I, uh, I just, uh, this is just madness. I, I used to run, I used to be a jogger. I ran a lot. Um, you know, I was like moving. I was not like my breathing, I don't think, was like uh, going out and spreading. Uh, I just don't see how that could happen. I've never heard of people, you know, sharing disease while they're running. It's you go by too fast. It's just, I, this is just nonsense. And certainly, if you're a serious runner and you run for any time, you can't, you can't breathe in a mask. I just and have we not been told that outdoors is different? Really, it's not different. Uh, the the little droplets that are supposed to be stopped by those loosely woven masks are supposed to uh, be stopped by that. I just uh, this is just madness, and I think the whole world pretty much has gone mad. I want to tell you one last thing. This is coming out of um, this is coming out of Sweden, and um, you know what? I don't think I have time for this on this side of the break. Let me just say I wanted to say this other thing. Uh, this week, I've been asking for your comments on the show because we we had some really uh, incredible. We we've doubled our audience for the podcast, uh, and that's the only numbers that I have, which is pretty amazing. And so I've been asking for your feedback as to what you like about the show, what you don't like, suggestions that you would have. And we've received some incredible responses. I'm going to share some of them with you in a minute. But if you haven't done that yet. Uh, we would love to hear from you. What what things do you like about the show? What would you like more of or less of? What gets on your nerves? What do you really like? And I really want to know the truth. We want the truth uh, because we are listening. Our, the address to send that to is Sandy at AFR.net. AFR.net. Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy at AFR.net. I'll be right back after this Sandy Rios in the morning. Exploring the word, it's anything but dry. In my own family, we know of an aunt who prayed for someone in our family for 50 years. Wow. And the last prayer that she prayed before she died was for this nephew to be saved. He got saved right close to 70 years old, but he'd been prayed for for 50 years. Don't quit praying. Weekday afternoons at 3 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. If you scratch a regressive, what you are going to find underneath the skin is cruelty. Focal Point with Brian Fisher. Regressives are cruel people by instinct and by nature. Look at what Joe Biden wants to do to unborn babies. That's intolerable cruelty. Focal Point, the home of muscular Christianity. Weekday afternoons at 1 central on American Family Radio.
Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth is stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In a 6-3 decision, Justices Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett joined the regressive flank of the Supreme Court, which includes Chief Justice John Roberts, frankly, in denying once again to hear the Pennsylvania lawsuit originally filed prior to the November elections concerning the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court's unconstitutional decision to change the state's election laws. Ironically, four of these justices refused to hear the case before the election because the election hadn't yet occurred. Now, they say, the legal claims are moot. Before, it's too early to address these issues. Now, it's too late. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Sometimes we can hatch a plan, convinced it is what God wants us to do. We set out to do it, and all of a sudden, God blows the whole thing up. Well, David knew what that felt like. He wanted to build a house for God, and Nathan, his most trusted counselor, said, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But God said to David, What makes you think I need you to build me a house? When have I asked anyone to build me a house? And then God said to David, I've got a better idea. How about I build you a house? God was referring to David's dynasty as king of Israel, culminating in the eternal reign of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can make plans, even with trusted counselors, and then God tears the plan all up. When God does that, remember he's only taking away your dream because he has a better dream in mind. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Yesterday, the House of Representatives approved Speaker Nancy Pelosi's top priority on a straight party-line vote. By so doing, it has moved to the Senate legislation that would effectively preclude free and fair elections in the future. The so-called For the People Act, H.R. 1 in the House and S. 1 in the Senate, would permanently impose the sorts of problematic voting practices and processes that were used in a number of states in the 2020 elections. While Democratic partisans and their allies in the media insist otherwise, such arrangements caused last year's presidential race to be marred by widespread and material irregularities, misconduct, and outright fraud. They must not be legitimated, let alone enshrined in law. Yet that is what would happen if Democrats in the Senate muscle S-1 through. Senators need to know now if that's not okay with their constituents. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Hey, Sandy Rios, back with you. Um, so this just this one last story because I teased it on the other side. So let me complete my thought here. This is a professor from he's a pediatrician professor from Sweden, and he has been forced to quit because of the research that he's done on the risk to children from COVID and teachers in reopening school. His name is Jonas Ludvigsen. Uh, And basically, he undermined the political arguments about schools, and so a lot of pressure came on him. His letter uh, was, and all of his studies were submitted to a formal external peer review, 
and that included statistics before it was published. It was published in, I think, the New England Journal of Medicine. Yes. And his uh, research focused on children from age 1 through 16 during the first wave of COVID-19 last spring, tracking admissions to intensive care units uh, from March to June through June. It included those with laboratory-verified or clinically-verified COVID-19, including patients who were admitted for multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children because it was likely related to COVID-19. Uh, just 15 children went to the ICU for a rate of 0.77 per, per 100,000. That's not even one out of 100,000. Four of them had underlying chronic coexisting conditions, two cancer, one kidney disease, one another kind of disease, and none died. As for teachers, fewer than 10 in preschool and 20 in school went to the ICU during the same period. Uh, the school-teacher ICU ratio was about 19 in 100,000. And that's not deaths. That's just they, they, they got COVID, actively got it. He said also that children were not wearing face masks. Deaths from any cause in the 1 to 16 age group, listen to this. This is important. This is part of his finding. Deaths from any cause in the 1 to 16 age group only slightly budged from the four-month period before the pandemic to the four-month period after the pandemic. All right, so uh, you could just so then he's been forced to resign because of that research and can't and is not speaking about it. So that's what's happening internationally on the COVID front. All right, I've asked you to respond to us and let us know what kinds of things that you like about the show and what you what you don't like. And I lo- well, listen, we're getting some great responses. I. I'm really enjoying it. There's a, there's a lot to read, and I'm just beginning to scratch the surface. But I thought, you know, maybe this morning you would enjoy this is some of, you'll enjoy some of the comments, but also it would be interesting to you to see who's listening. It's interesting to me, fascinating to me. So um, our address, if you still have not sent in your comments, and again, this is uh, the things that you like, the things that you can't stand, the things that you wish were better, suggestions that you might have. Uh, we're open to all of that because uh, we have uh, the audience has grown and we want the show only to be better. Okay, so that's why I'm asking. Uh, the email address is sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Uh, all right, this is um, Michael from Texas. He says, I am a 40 year old dad of seven. I was in full time ministry for 11 years, but have been a UPS driver for the past seven. As a driver, I have the opportunity to listen to all my favorite podcasts all day long as I deliver, including sermons, apologetics, history, and conservative talk shows. And then he goes on to say some lovely things. Uh, he does like the show, and um, I, I don't like to repeat these. This is for my ears, you know, these really incredible kindnesses. So I edit that stuff on purpose, uh, but he says some wonderful things about listening, and I'm just so honored by this. Um and I just want you to see, here he is. He's a full a dad of seven children, and he's driving. He was in ministry. Boy, that would be an interesting story, Michael. I'm sure you have a story to tell. And God bless you for finding a good job. You've got seven kids you're trying to support, and I'm sure there's a story about why you're not in ministry anymore. But that, thank you for that really, really lovely uh, email. And thank you for listening. This is from um, Anna, and she says, I'm one of those who have listened to your podcast in February. I wanted to say thank you for what you've been bringing to our attention. We homeschool, and we're military. We moved during the summer 
uh, during COVID, she says, from a more open state to a more closed state. It's been very challenging. I can't even imagine. You know what I find, uh, and I'm not proud of this. This is this is my natural nature that God has saved me from, <laughs> and has constantly. I got angry when I go to the states that are so shut off, are, are areas like Washington D.C. and the conference uh, conferences there, or Washington D.C. with all the uh, the masked Nazis and the. I go to a store where everyone's hostile. I get I get angry, uh, not consistently because I do ask God to help me, but that's my natural response. So I can't imagine moving your kids to a state that's so closed off and having to then not let your kids go to school. All of that. Uh, she says um, again. This is Anna, military homeschooling family. You ask what we would like to hear. We are starved for truth. Thank you so much for bringing truth to the open, and please. Please, please continue to bring the truth to our ears and hearts and minds. Let us hear. We do not need to be told what to think about what we hear. We do not need to be told how to think, but we need to hear the truth. Um, thank you so very much. Lo- Anna, lovely. Thank you, and I, I'm with you. I, I, so I Sometimes I do tell you, certainly, my opinion. I really hesitate to make declarations unless... Well, I do hesitate to make declarations unless I'm absolutely sure. And a lot of things you cannot be sure about. Uh, You know, (laughs) maybe the wisdom that comes with age, you realize I have very strong opinions and some things I am sure about. Uh, Certainly things that have to do with kingdom and God's word and all that I've learned through the years. Uh, And if they're congruous with what God teaches, uh, I can be certain about that. Other things I feel sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading me. But I am not God, and I'm not a prophet. I'm certainly not Paul. I'm not Peter. <laughs> you know, so I try to be very careful about that. But I do try to guide your thinking. And uh, that's, as I report to you the truth, I'm taking it in too. And I am adjusting. I have found also through the years, and I would advise all of you to do this, it's one thing to have very strong opinions, or we could say prejudices too, uh, where you see everything through a certain lens because of your life experiences or things that you've seen. You know, you have legitimate maybe reasons for seeing the things the way you do. But I have trained myself through the years to not cling to my opinions. (laughs) I know that'll be hard for you to believe, but it's true. Uh, If I read something contrary to it, um, then I I must adjust my thinking. I make myself do that. If I find something that that I believe is really true and valid, but it contradicts part or all, of what I thought before, then I have to adjust my thinking. And uh, I've done that. It's a discipline because it's not easy because you kind of want to think your views. You want to naturally go to that. It's easier. I I saw yesterday, I'll give you an example. When Chris Ray testified uh, on uh, the day before yesterday in front of the Senate, um, he he made me furious. But I said to myself, now look, I have to listen. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? about what happened on January the 6th. What if I what if I have such a strong bent that I just I can't be objective? So that's why I listened. I didn't listen to all the testimony, but I listened to a parts of it. And that's why yesterday, you will recall on the show, I felt the best way to handle that, my own uh, uns, not uncertainty, but I wanted to be sure was to go back and recall what I do know from good sources. And we did that on the John Sullivan case. And to me, when we 
conjured up and remembered uh, that John Sullivan is anti for Black Lives Matter and that he most definitely infiltrated and uh, the whole story around him is very murky. But there are some things we really do know. We have his own voice, uh, you know, asking for revolution, talking about we're going to take out blanking Trump. Uh, and he was there at the Capitol. He was right there when Ashley Babbitt was shot. Um, so we know that when Chris Ray says uh, it was all, uh, as far as he could tell, people, he didn't use the term white extremists because white supremacists because he's, you know, learning how to politically correct correctly say the same thing. Uh, he talked about people who are, you know, advocating for the white race or something like that. Uh, he very sneakily, from my perspective, uh, tried to make senators and others feel that that January 6th was, you know, just these Trump supporters. Basically, that's what he said. No evidence at all that Antifa or Black Lives Matter was there. And I know that that's not true. So I had to come to a conclusion that, no, I wasn't wrong about that. <laughs> he is deceiving us yet again. So... um let me go back to these uh, email. By the way, um, if you would like to weigh in, because I'm talking about through email on the show, we'd love to hear what you have to say. It's Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. This is from Mark. Um, he says, uh, hi, Sandy, wish you the best and praying for you often. I'm one of your podcast listeners. My name is Mark. Now, the podcast, by the way, uh, you can listen live on the nearly 200 stations we have nationwide, but not every area has a radio station. And so uh, if you go to Sandy Rios at AFRnet, if you Google that and Google podcasts, it'll come right up. Uh, or you can download the app, which is AFR Talk, on your smartphone, and you can listen live or later. The podcasts are available through that app also, AFR Talk. So that's how you listen to podcasts, and they, they run later than the show which is the live show at um, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard. Okay, back to Mark. I'm one of your podcast listeners. My name is Mark. I am a 33-year-old black millennial living in Atlanta, originally from Alabama. I first started listening to your show after college in 2015. While in college in Alabama, I became more libertarian slash conservative and discovered Rush Limbaugh. To escape fake news after college, I turned to talk radio and eventually found AFR and your show. Um, he said, I never miss your show. I don't have an AFR station in our area, so I download your podcast every day. I've come to feel as if I have a personal connection with you over the years. I love hearing you talk about your son and grandkids in Scotland. I love when you have your husband Bruce on to talk about the issues. And most importantly, I love the fact that you present the news honestly. Uh, then he goes on to say some lovely things. He says, um, lovely things. He said, please stay strong and keep up the good fight. Now that Russia sadly passed, we're relying to you on you even more as the voice of truth against the constant lies. Uh, and then he has other things to say, but he says, I love you, Sandy, and God bless. Well, love right back to you, Mark. It is interesting how radio does create a bond. And um, it recreates a bond for me, too, even if I never see your face or shake your hand. Uh, I, I, it is a bond because when I'm, uh, when you're in a studio by yourself and you're talking to countless people, uh, the only way to make this work, I was just talking about to this with my husband yesterday. <laughs> I really, I've said this to you before. I'm not a big talker. If you and I were with a group, you might find me to be very quiet. If I have something to say, you, be you better believe I'll say it. If I need to speak up, I'll speak up. But I, um, I don't like I don't like to dominate conversations. I'm not I wasn't raised to do that. I always feel 
a little shy about that. So it was hard for me, really a challenge for me to do talk radio. Uh, it wasn't something I saw. It as something that God really brought into my life because I just couldn't imagine talking that much, just me. And so, um, so when I do that, uh, and I'm by myself talking, I can't see your face. I'm really an audience person. I started, you know, as a singer on the stage, and people looking at me and smiling or responding was what is what fed my ability to do what I did. It's the same thing on radio. When I was on radio and other uh, networks. And in a studio, um, a big studio where people are coming in and out and there's all kinds of staff and you're doing these community events and uh, you've got billboards and all of this, um, you have more of a sense of other people. But when you do what I'm doing now, you're pretty much tucked away. And so you have to imagine uh, your correspondence to me helps me visualize you and also to make these things really personal. I know I'm talking to, I'm just not, you know, talking to outer space. I'm speaking to each of you from my heart. And you all come from different uh, places and positions. I love that. Uh, I love that. I think God's called me to talk to people who disagree with me. And so um, that's not all of you, for sure. Most of you do agree with me for the most part. But Mark, I feel very honored. Honestly, I do. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, well, you know what? Let's see. I think I made it through three of them. And you can you can imagine how many of them there are in our box, but we're going to read each and every one of them. I'm going to have the staff read them too. And uh, we can't respond to all of them. I probably won't respond personally to any of them. Uh, but we are going to take on advisement your suggestions and your comments. And, of course, your your words are encouraging to us. And so thank you for being that. And um, just God bless each and every one of you. I'm off to a conference this weekend, and I think Fred Jackson is going to host for me tomorrow. You'll be in very good hands, but I'll be back in harness next week. We've got some great shows planned, so please stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.